first and foremost, have a strategy, have a plan. Don't start a business without a plan because then you're just going to be in a reactive mode like I was for a few years. Uh, and then once you're in that and once you're in there in the trenches, it's really hard to shift into that strategic mode. If you can start in a strategic mode, you're going to be ahead of the game. So that was part of the difficulty I had this year was both being reactive and trying to also create my strategy at the same time. It was a lot of work and it was very difficult. So have a strategy and have a plan. What's up, everyone? This is Ankit from Forcepreneur.com, and you're listening to the Forcepreneur podcast. On this show, I talk to founders of profitable Salesforce companies and try to get a sense of what it is to be an entrepreneur in Salesforce Cosmos. How did it all start it, and how was the journey until now? How do they make decisions both in professional and personal life? Our goal here is to learn from their examples so that the rest of us can go on and build our own profitable Salesforce businesses. My guest today is no stranger to Salesforce. She has been part of the ecosystem since 2006 and has 23 certifications under her belt. She has a background in programming and also holds an MBA. Now that's a lovely cocktail. She's the president and CEO of Lizard Tech Consulting. Hello, Melissa, and welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. All right, so as I said, you have programming and MBA. So how did that happen? Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so I went to school uh, from 1995 to 1999, and as you know, that was during the the tech bubble. So when I got out of school, even when I was in school, I was working. When I got out of school, I was working. There was no shortage of jobs. And then I ended up working for a startup company as a Java developer and got laid off in 2002. And that time, it was really hard to find jobs. I was up against people with masters in computer science, PhDs, things like that. So it was just, it was really tough. So I, I couldn't find a job. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I should just go back to school. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to go back to school for, I thought, well, I don't really want to go for a master's in computer science because that just then uh, limits me in what I can do. I thought maybe because, it, because the competition was just so tough in computer science at the time once everyone was looking for a job. So I thought I need to do something that makes me a little bit different. And I had a friend going to school for his MBA. And I thought that might be a really smart thing to do, combine my business with my computer science and then get more into the business side of things. So that's what I did. Nice. And I actually started at Bentley, who offers an information age MBA. And they were teaching me about business systems, things like CRMs and ERPs and system integration. And this is stuff that was all new to me that I didn't learn in computer science, uh, not in the 90s. It was just strict programming and databases, <laughs> so um, relational databases. And so that's why I decided to do the MBA. And um, while I was doing it, I ended up getting hired a few years later. So I had some jobs here and there. I ended up getting into .NET development. And when I was working on it, uh, right before I graduated, I got hired into an IT department and that's how I was uh, introduced to Salesforce. Interesting. So programming gives you that analytical background and then you did the MBA, which is more about networking. So a lot of people consider MBA like you need to go to a big school, like, you know, the Howards, the Yales, and, and, you know, it's about networking. But what I understand from you is it's more about you learned about business systems and 
uh, you would say that going to a B school is a good thing. I mean, it definitely helped you and the timing was right. Yep. But what about in today's market, especially with Coursera and stuff like that? Yeah, so uh, so if you, I guess it depends on what you want to do. If you want to be some high-powered executive of some big company, then you need to go to one of those top-tier schools. Mm-hmm. I started at Bentley, which is a pretty good school, but it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's got, a, it's got a pretty good reputation, but it's very expensive. And it was great. I loved it, but I decided I did not want a six-figure student debt mm-hmm. when I graduated. So I ended up transferring to Florida to a state school. And I was there long enough to get the in-state tuition. So I was able to do my MBA uh, relatively inexpensively. So what so how i see it is if you if you want to go and start your own business i think an mba from anywhere is a good education to have um for me like i said it introduced me to the business systems it introduced me to understand like i was working with different business departments i was working with finance i was working with pr i was working with marketing and i was able to understand what they were telling me because of the education that i got so i was able to work with them doing work within Salesforce. So not only did I understand the business systems, I was understanding my clients that I was working with within the business. So um, it's just, it's very, it's very valuable for what uh, I'm doing. Yes, I believe education is always very important and it's, it's valuable always. I mean, knowledge never goes to waste. So yeah, continuing from there. So how did you come, what's your enterprise, Lizard Tech Consulting, and how did you come up with it? And when did you start? Sure. So, I, so I was introduced to Salesforce in 2006 through this job that I mentioned where I was still working on my MBA. And I really loved it. I was like, this is so much better than just being a developer in an engineering department. I really love working with the people that I'm doing the work for. I get to see the results of my work and how it, how it helps people. So that was what I really loved. And so I decided to stick with Salesforce. So 2006, 2007, there weren't really a lot of companies using Salesforce yet. So I landed because also I had integration experience from building an integration uh, middleware at this company. So a company approached me to come work for them, an integration software company. And I was like, well, I really don't want to write software anymore. And I really am thinking I just want to be a consultant and just try to find work doing Salesforce work. And they convinced me to come work with them. And so I ended up going and working with them, um, writing their Salesforce adapter, which is cool. I got to learn like the metadata API and I got to learn... um, you know, a lot more of the, um, the that, and that's actually when the Force platform came out. So I got to learn, um, the, learn the platform as it came out. So there was a lot that I was able to learn there. And um, I said, you know, if this job doesn't work out, I'm going to go be a consultant. So I was actually laid off from the engineering department, but they made another job for me where I was more client facing. And then once that, I got laid off again from that department, I said, that's it. I'm going to be a consultant. So I went off and I found a contracting job and I I was like, I'm just going to be independent. And then about a year into that job, um, I was working with some other guys that I met there that had their own company. And they said, well, go start your own corporation so we can work with you, corp to corp. And 
So that's what I did. So I started my own corporation and the name came from a nickname they were, they gave me. So that's how the name came about. So it's really a play on my name. They were calling me lizard, like, because people call me Lissa and then you throw my last name in there. That's how that came about. So uh, that was about 2010. Interesting. I had a guess or a hunch that it might be, uh, you know, related to your <laughs> name, but yeah, it's nice that you, that's as you said that interesting yeah so um moving from developer to consulting i mean you must be a great team co-worker or a boss to work with because you know it's you know people usually at management level usually have business knowledge but you know as a tech guy so i'm a developer yeah. at heart and as a tech guy it's sometimes hard to explain to them why is this like this or why it's going to take five yeah. days, you know, <laughs> sometimes. So, so um, how's your team size? What's your team like now? At, and uh, what's your day to day? What do you do day to day at Lizard Tech? So I still do a lot of hands-on work myself. Um, I haven't been able to grow enough yet to where I'm just overseeing it all. Um, and there are some reasons for that because it's, I, I didn't understand how to grow a business within the Salesforce ecosystem when I started. I just, Interesting. The way I, it was just, I'll explain more of that, but um, my team size is about, I, I have my own team of about five people. And then I have another senior person who's um, almost at my level that she's got about um, five people as well that she oversees. And then I have some other people on the bench that I haven't brought in yet. I'm waiting for some bigger contracts to hopefully come this year. Um, so my day-to-day -day is I oversee my developers and my team, but I also do my own work as well. So I do a lot of Salesforce architecture work, so the high-level work. So I'm actually working on my CTA. So it's okay that I'm still doing that hands-on work until I get the CTA because uh, it's just going to really help me. Of course, of course. And that's also interesting to hear, you know, from you, like people, when they reach that above level, they, they kind of just or lose track of what's happening at the ground level. So right. it's really good that you keep tapping into that. And it's very important because the market is changing so fast. You never know. And it's always, uh, you know, good to keep on top, be on top of things. Right. Interesting. Yep. So how old is Lizard Tech exactly? So um, about 10 years now. So I started it wow. in 2010, but I didn't start growing it as a company until 2016. Okay. So the reason why I decided to start growing as a company is I met somebody on a project in 2015 and we just worked together so well. I was more technical. She was more functional. Okay. And I thought, wow, we worked together so well. We, we really uh, did this project that just came out amazing and they were so happy and I was like we could really work together as a team I'm really all about teams I'm not about go do this by yourself go do that by yourself I'm about collaboration and teams so my whole thing is team building so my way of building my company is going to be through building teams so I talked to her I said would you be interested in coming and helping me maybe build up my company and she said yes so it took a little bit of time she was still working on that project. I had left because I went off to do some other stuff. So she was still working on that project for a while, I think about nine months. Mm -hmm. And finally, she became available and I had a few things going and I said, well, okay, well, come help me do this work. And then, you know, we never looked back. So ever since that point, she's just helping me um, do these, do a lot of projects. And then I was able to start giving her um, people to work under her at a team. 
and uh, we still work together to this day. So she's my top person and she's my go-to person and someone I really trust. And that's something that I highly recommend is having people that you trust. You, you yeah. need to have people that you trust. Yeah. You, there's no way you can grow your company if you don't have that. So. All right. So as I understand, before growing, you were working more like an independent contractor, but through your company. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Very good. Okay. So if, since it's also new, how would you say your growth has been or the revenue has been in the last years and since you started a company? Um, so it's been, it's gone up a little bit. So, um, 2016, I wasn't really working, uh, as a company the whole year, 2017, 2018, it's gone up a little bit. It hasn't been crazy growth because I still struggle getting clients and getting my own projects. That's a tough thing to do. When you come from a development background, uh, I see. it's, it's, it, it's not the thing that comes naturally because there's a lot of sales and marketing that's involved in that. Okay. So, um, yeah, so the growth has been kind of uh, not really too high. But this year, I've done a lot of work uh, to try to help facilitate growth in the future, and I'm hoping some of it starts this year. Uh, I started getting out and doing more networking and um, getting more involved in the community. Um, I actually wasn't involved in the Salesforce community up until about last year, which is being in the Salesforce world for so long, people are usually very surprised by that. And it's because I've never really needed help. I've just always been able to manage on my own. And I think a lot of people get involved in the community because they need some sort of help. They're reaching out to people right. for this or that. And, and it took me getting to the level of, being ready to work on my CTA to start reaching out and looking for help. And that's when I started meeting everyone and getting involved in the community and found out how great it was. And so, yeah, so I've been doing a lot more work on that type of stuff in this past year. Right. And I mean, it's very important. I agree to that. I mean, I am extrovert person, so it, I don't know, it comes naturally to me. But sales is a totally different ball game than programming, you know, and you sound like a very extrovert person. So I thought it might come also easily to you. But I agree on part of getting the contracts, because right now the consulting market is quite crowded, to be honest, you know, it especially is. with team in India or Philippines and all these places. And you are now based in, I believe, Boston, Massachusetts, yeah. you know, so there are a lot there's a lot of competition. Yeah. So uh so what are your channels? Like, how are you, what's your client acquisition model? Are you working through, going through meetups? I know you were at the mega London meetup. We had yep. a small yep. Twitter chat about it. So uh, is like, where's your hunting ground? So, yep. So I'll explain that a little bit more. Um, so I didn't really have a plan up until this past year. <laughs> so that was also part of the problem. When you start a business, you need to have a plan. I just started doing multiple projects and then brought people on to help me. And then because I was in the trenches constantly doing the work, I was never really able to step back and be strategic. So this year I did that. I stepped back and I started to become more strategic about what it was I was doing, where I was going to focus my efforts on getting work. And part of that is because I got certified as a WeBank uh, woman-owned business. So I don't know if you know anything okay. about that. No, but please explain. So there's a certification, there, there's multiple certifications out there that you can get. And one of them is WeBank, W-B-E-N-C. 
And that is certifying me as a woman-owned business. That qualifies me to do work with the government. That qualifies me to do work with uh, big business through their procurement. And, and this is only for women or? They have it for, uh, the, the one I have is only for women. They also have it for veterans. They have it for minorities. There's all kinds of certifications out there that you can get. And um, anyone that qualifies for any of these kind of certifications, I recommend going to get the certification. Like I have another friend in the Salesforce ecosystem that just started her own business. I said, you need to get certified because it is going to open up doors that you would not uh, have access to if you didn't get it. So I hope the women entrepreneurs are listening to this and taking a note of it. Yes, it's highly recommended go out and get certified if you want to if you want to be a vendor with like Deloitte or any of the big companies you, you're going to have to have it is it just u.s thing or it's also a very uh, uh european it's, not, it's global okay it's Super. global so um so we bank they have something called we connect that's the international uh side of things so I got my certification in 2017. I ended up getting a mentor in 2017 through the program who works for a large, uh, one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world, and which was thrilling for me because one of my focuses is health and life sciences and biotech. I have a lot of experience there. So she was telling me all the things I needed to do. And then she recommended that I take this class where I learned how to uh, create a strategic plan for my business. So I actually just finished that class and I took that in the fall and it helped me identify how I was going to get my business, where I was going to focus my efforts. So part of my efforts are now being focused um, in the supplier diversity world. So uh, that means there's all these big companies that have procurement. So they reach out to vendors to help them fill their needs, like for consulting companies to work on their sales force. Supplier diversity is the part of the business that advocates for us to work with procurement. So we reach out to them and they advocate for us with their procurement department for them to use us as a vendor. And sometimes companies have requirements to use a certain percentage of women-owned or minority. So there's a okay. it's a higher chance of us getting that work. It doesn't mean we're going to get it. We still have to work at it. We still have to build those relationships. Of course. We still have to constantly stay on top of it. Of course. So I go to a lot of events where I'm networking with procurement and supplier diversity, and I'm getting to know some of these people at the bigger businesses. So I, as of this past year, there's a couple big businesses that I've started talking to and started having uh, conversations with people within their company. Still hasn't led to any work yet, mm -hmm. but it's a foot in the door and it could lead to some big contracts. Mm -hmm. I know someone that in this world, she built her business just off of getting work with one big company. And now that's half of her company's work. And she's got a pretty big... Uh, business going right now so just to let you know that i mean one company could help you build your entire business so that's what i'm looking for now <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so that's only one avenue though. okay so one one avenue is supplier diversity mm -hmm. and procurement another avenue is government contracting mm -hmm. and that's a whole other world and it takes a lot of learning to understand how that works and i still don't know it all and there's people that can help you there's things called p tax which are um government uh, 
offices and you there's one in each state that you can so the state where you have started your business you don't want to contact the PTAC mm-hmm. there they can help you um learn how to get government contracts mm-hmm. so I started doing that and they actually alerted me to uh, a contract or an RFP that I could answer for the state of New Hampshire which is where my All right business is incorporated. So I actually went through this huge long RFP and sent in a response and I, I haven't heard anything back yet, but there's an opportunity there to possibly be a government contractor with the state of New Hampshire. Um, so that's another, another avenue that I'm uh, targeting, but it takes a lot of work to really start to understand that. So that didn't happen overnight and I'm still learning a lot. The other avenue is um, sponsoring events, going to events, networking, um, just meeting people, referrals, word of mouth, things like that. Uh, that still right. isn't too big yet, but because I'm getting out and I'm going to different events, I'm going to Salesforce community events, I'm going to Salesforce World Tours, Salesforce DX, uh, Dreamforce. Nice. I'm going to um, some of these WeBank events. They have a few each year that I mm-hmm. go to. So I'm just going to all these different events, networking, meeting people that uh, – could possibly you know be help me and sometimes there's a relationship there where you can help them they can help you so it's just it's really good to get out there and meet people that way and then right. there's the then there's the salesforce ecosystem the ae exactly uh, I was referral to that. network mm-hmm. and that is that's not the easiest uh thing to navigate as well so i became an official partner in 2016 i didn't understand how to use it i didn't understand what it meant, I just thought becoming a partner, work was going to start coming to me. That's not how it works. <laughs> no, so no. There's a lot of work that needs to go into that as well. None of this is easy, and it takes a, a lot of understanding and learning and relationship building. So once you start understanding how to navigate the, the partner ecosystem, you understand the things you need to do. And it's much easier if you've worked for another partner and you understand how they do things and or you have you find somebody that has worked for a partner i didn't have that i brought on somebody that had no experience in the salesforce ecosystem no experience you know doing this kind of sales come in to try to help me figure it out and it was it was pretty rough we figured out a lot but it wasn't enough to um to get enough momentum to keep growing and build out this uh this sales with the partners with the AEs in the partner ecosystem. So I had to take a step back from that and I'm just kind of doing it here and there. There are some AEs that I know that I reach out to uh, for my local office and they've helped me. They give me some little things and you just got to stay on top of it. You just got to reach out to them and say, Hey, how's it going? And you really have to build a personal relationship with them as well. Sometimes talk about things that yep. are not Salesforce or not business. Um, you know, go, go to events that they might be at. So these are things that are uh, outside of the community events. So sometimes there's partner events and that's where you're going to see your Salesforce AEs. Uh, Sometimes you'll see, you see Salesforce people at the uh, community events, but they're not usually the sales side of things. They're usually like trailhead or evangelist people like that, which it's great to get to know them as well. Just get to know everybody because they're all pretty amazing. <laughs> I haven't met one sure. person that's not. So, um, yeah. So that's and a you whole never other... know who's 
Yeah, and you would never know who will come in handy at what time, you know. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend you to listen to the episode which would be just before yours, that is with Mr. Shell Black, and he talks exactly about the relationship with the AEs and how he does it. And I will not give much here so that people can listen to the episode before it, and I would highly recommend you to do that so you will get more tips on that. He's been doing yeah. it since many years. Oh, well, yeah. I'm going to have so, to listen to that. And I've also... Um, attended a few webinars uh, through the Salesforce Partner Network uh-huh. this year that has helped. Uh, they like they've gone over how to sell to AEs and how to tell your stories, and All it right. has helped. And it helped me figure out the kind of marketing materials that I need to put together, my case studies, and um, you know things like that that I can then send to AEs and and show them this is the work that I've done that might be relevant to some of your clients, and they're they're much more responsive when you actually can show them what yeah. you're about instead of just telling them. Like if you have concrete evidence of what you do, they're yeah. going to be more responsive. Yeah. I mean, but also you started new and I mean, the market was already crowded and you basically right. need references and you need those case studies and then you yep. need to kind of form them into nice stories and make a nice narrative about exactly. it. And that's how, that's how, basically it works and i mean i don't blame aes for that like when they are pitching you to another end client they want to make sure that you can do the job what you're telling about exactly it's those initial steps that takes time but i wish you all the luck and i think you're on the right track maybe it took a while but uh, you know now you're on the right path i believe to success so um continuing from the woman thing if you can just Quickly summarize, I mean, recently there was this tweet with Zane Turner where people, you know, she's a female developer and people were like, okay, can you, do you have a male developer to answer this question? Which is, I don't, I really don't get it. Like it's still a a thing in 2020, but did you feel any challenges just because you were a female entrepreneur and do you have some tips for, you know, uh, well, we'll come to the tips later, but did you face any specific challenges or do you think it's a thing of a past now? I haven't actually experienced anything like that myself in my career. Um, The only thing I've ever experienced is getting paid less than a male that uh, had less experience in education than me. Really? Yeah, and I was not happy about that. We were at the same company doing the same job, and he told me what he was making. I was like, wait a minute, I have more experience than you. I have more education than you, and you're getting paid more than me. This is not okay. (laughs) So that's the only... It's the only thing I've ever experienced, but otherwise it's been pretty, pretty good. Um, good for you. But I think just with, just within the ecosystem, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's tough if you don't have people that know what they're doing already to help you build the business. And I just think there needs to be more access to materials for us to grow as partners. And I think they're working on that. So. Again, as I said in his episode, Mr. Black also mentions EO, which is like enterprise something, which is basically a collective of entrepreneurs helping each other. So maybe that would also be something that you can look into, you know, to get some mentorship or just bounce ideas or have a sparring partner, you know, who is not in maybe the same ecosystem so that, you know, you don't have clash of interests, say it like that. So as I see, you're also pretty active in the local Ohana. So how has the local user groups helped you? And what's your relationship to the local Ohana like? So it's funny, I actually don't spend a whole lot of time within my local Ohana. I do know Uh quite a few of them because I go to the local community event. And I started going um, since the first one. 
I've been to some of the meetups. Uh, we had the women mm-hmm. in tech, the developer, the admin. Um, I actually run my own um, women in tech in Manchester, New Hampshire, but we haven't really been able to grow it too much yet. I actually found somebody to co-lead with me at Trailhead DX this past year, but both of us are so busy that we haven't really been able to uh, plan it out. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. And there's not, like, I was. I only had a few people show up to my first one, and then people weren't responding to the ones. I'm not good at marketing it. That's the problem. Because I've been so busy with the business that uh, trying to market that and get it out to people. This is before I was really involved in the community as well. So now that I'm more involved, if I get it out there, I think we'll get more people to respond. So we actually um, were holding an event that's um, – along with the developer group it's the the dreamforce global gathering so we're hoping yeah. to gain some more exposure through that and just try to collaborate with the developer group in manchester for a little bit until we can maybe get enough women to start coming to our group so um, there's you know there's work that goes into that if you're in a, a smaller area like new hampshire <laughs> and if it was in a city it would be a little bit of a different story but yeah so i end up going to i go to london um I've been to Miami user groups. Uh, so sometimes I'll just go to other cities and, and go to their groups. I've also spoken at the London user group and um, New York has invited me to speak as well. Nice. Um, and I'll, I'll also be speaking at the, at London's calling in March. Um, me too. High five. <laughs> oh, all right. So we'll get to meet up there. That's going to be great. So, For sure. yeah. So I'm kind of more, I'm not so locally. I'm not really home a lot. That's why <laughs> I'm just kind of out doing things in all different places. I'm at different events. I'm de- at, you know, different user groups. So it is very important. And I've had a lot of exposure to a lot of people um, that, you know, they're just really great people and they're supportive and they're, you know, they have knowledge and you know, expertise in different areas. And it's just, it's, it's much easier to be out there and have a support network than just trying to do it by yourself that's all i can say you know these i've yeah. just met some amazing people that are just so passionate and so helpful and they just want to help they just want to see you succeed and i've never experienced that in you know any other area well i've been in salesforce yeah. most of my career but um this community is kind of amazing I'm, i mean i've also not seen any other community and i'm coming from a scientific background like i moved here to be a scientist and that's what i did in master thesis and they're cool i mean they're it's a nerd fest like a nerd nerd fest i think you will fit in there good and it's collaborative but it's a different kind of collaboration you know scientists and everyone we are very analytical like ones and zeros whereas there's in this community there's also the soul in it yeah. like it has its own soul and it has its own pulse and that's what yeah. makes it so special and i've met some people and now we are writing whatsapp jokes like <laughs> i would have never imagined stuff like that you know so so yeah and um i look forward to yeah, seeing you in London. So now moving from the tech more towards a little personal side. So as you said, you stay away a lot and I see that you work hard a lot. How do you keep a balance? Like there's this huge talk about uh, mental health and I personally hit a hard rock, let's say at the end of 2018 and then kind of like slowed down last year, took time off and started meditating and taking care of myself. And I can recommend highly meditation to anyone and everyone. And uh, how are you balancing that? Yeah, so I highly recommend that as well. So I came into this already having um, a very deep background in yoga and meditation. 
which I really started getting into in 2009. And I honestly don't think I could have handled a lot of the stuff that I've gone through in the past few years without that. And it's also helped me understanding um, how I can learn from my mistakes that I've made as opposed to constantly creating, doing them all over, you know, constantly doing those mistakes again and again, because I have this awareness through my yoga and meditation practice. I'm able to see the things that I've done and understand how I cannot repeat those again. So I, it's helped me really learn from what I've been doing. Um, so this year is my year where I plan to focus more on my own uh, mental health again. This past year was a rough year for me, uh, just because of the amount of work that I had to do on my own to to kind of dig my company out of a trench that I created from trying to grow it a little too fast. <laughs> Let's just say that. And um, so I've I've made uh, a lot of progress there. And this year, I'm going to be taking time off where I can just unplug and uh, just taking time away to get back into my practice because I've kind of lost it a little bit this year with everything that was going on. Um, but because I, I had such a solid practice before it helped carry me through, if that makes sense. So I actually am yeah. uh, a certified yoga teacher. I don't teach actively, but I have three different certifications and I've got some other smaller ones that aren't the full blown 200 hours, but, um, I'm, I'm very active in that world. And, uh, so that helps me. So sometimes I go off and do a yoga retreat or I go to a yoga festival and I just am doing yoga and meditation the entire time. So I highly recommend having some sort of spiritual mindfulness practice like that. And it's good to try to do something every day. I haven't been as good about that lately, but I'm trying to get back into that, you know, getting up and doing some sort of yoga meditation in the mornings or at night or both or Great. You know, just taking time Great. during the day. So um, it's just, it's very important. Here's an idea. Why don't at London Calling, before the whole thing starts, you hold a special yoga session, let's say 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, we've, So if Louis Lockie, anyone already, is listening. Yeah, no, we're already in talks to do that. <laughs> either we've really? talked about, yeah, we've talked about either the night before or the morning of. I suggested in the morning because... There, yeah. in, in yoga, there's something called a morning sadhana, which you know you yeah. get up very early to do, anywhere from 4 to 6 a.m. And it just sets you yeah. for the day. It's just a really cool experience. And people love it. So if you, if people be like, oh, my gosh, I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. to do yoga. But when you do it and you experience it, you're like, this is amazing. I wish I could do this every day. And there are people that live their lives doing it every day. But it's tough when you're traveling, you're running a business. Mm-hmm. you if you're sure. living in a community like an ashram that does this, it's so much easier to get involved in it. And I, I've thought about going to live at my local ashram for like a month or two, just so I can do it every day and kind of get more into the groove of doing that because it's such an amazing, beautiful experience. So yes, we are in talks about doing that. I'm also in talks about doing uh, a yoga retreat with the the super moms. So that's an idea we're throwing around because I've said that I, I kind of wanted to start doing um, retreats for uh, like women um, who own businesses or, you know, women in Salesforce or something like that, because I just think it, it's good to, to, uh, to have that out there for um, women is something that's available for them. 
Right, right. Well, I would not say to do yoga after speaker dinner. I'm drinking glasses of wine <laughs> and then doing yoga. <laughs> Does it, well, in Berlin, we have something which is called a beer yoga, where you basically have a bottle of beer and there are different positions with holding the beer without dropping it and taking sip. So Berlin has everything. Well, I guess it's teaching you how to be mindful with your alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the, the idea of bringing alcohol into yoga just kind of takes yeah. it away from it actually being yoga. That's a whole other uh, yeah. subject. All right. But. So um, so what would be your advice for budding for spinners? I believe the journey for you so far has been very fruitful and you're really having fun with it. And also your yoga and meditation practice helps you get grounded and also, you know, face the everyday challenges of it. What would be your tips for budding forcepreneurs who want to start an enterprise in the Salesforce cosmos? Sure. So I would say, first and foremost, have a strategy, have a plan. Don't start a business without a plan because then you're just going to be in a reactive mode like I was for a few years. Uh, and then once you're in that and once you're in there in the trenches, it's really hard to shift into that strategic mode. If you can start in a strategic mode, you're going to be ahead of the game. So that was part of the difficulty I had this year was both being reactive and trying to also create my strategy at the same time. It was a lot of work and it was very difficult. So have a strategy and have a plan. Um, be out there networking, be involved in the community, uh, you know, go, go to whatever you can. And also, I would say have some sort of mindfulness practice to help carry you through because things will get tough. There's just there's there's no yeah. way around it. They will get tough in one way or the other. And you need something to help you keep your sanity. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. That's like one of the best tips that is there. Definitely. Thank you for this. And so who are the entrepreneurs you look up to for inspiration? Um, Obviously, Mark Benioff, you know, the I've okay. been growing with the Salesforce ecosystem now for 15 years and just seeing how the company has evolved and changed. And I really admire the things that he's doing. Like he's more, he's really about like social change and trying to help things like homelessness. And so I think it's very important to have values like that in mind and not just be about making money and, uh, and be about business and, also developing the community around your business. Right. Um, yeah. I, there's, there's so, there's so many, you know, the, some of the big ones, you know, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, you know, um, and then there's people I have within my network that, you know, like my boss that I had since uh, it, the, my boss that brought me into the company in 2000, 2006, he has his own Salesforce company as well. And he's a little bit, further ahead than me and uh, I feel like I've always been like one step behind him just kind of following his lead so he's a mentor to me you know he's someone that I can go to and say I'm dealing with this I'm dealing with that so I look up to him and I look up to what he's doing and it's always good to kind of have someone like that that you can kind of mimic what they're doing or you know you can go to them for help and um, so he's someone I look up to as well I, I, his name's Steve Baines he's also a CTA um you know and there's, out to Steve yep <laughs> so yep so there's you know there's quite a few people out there as well that i look up to all right any book you would recommend i love reading do you read i do and i you know i really i like to read a lot of spiritual books so interesting please yeah yeah um there's a lot out there that i think are really great 
um, some of them are very, a little bit, very, they're, they might be a little bit too much <laughs> for me to recommend. Um, no, please go ahead. Okay, don't start with Autobiography of a Yogi. Everyone yeah, that knows that one. <laughs> is one of the best books that I think everyone should read. And I don't know if anyone knows this, but that book was actually handed out at Steve Jobs' funeral. He wanted know, everyone to have a copy of that book. Um, I know. And there's a movie uh, about him called Awake. And Mark Benioff is actually in that movie. And also one of my spiritual teachers from India is also in that movie. So um, I highly recommend that book. I highly recommend that movie. Um, yeah, there, there's so many. Um, there's a, there's one called uh, it's from death to birth. It's about karma. It's by another teacher that I've studied with at the Himalayan Institute in Pennsylvania. Um, there's, there's so many. I just, when I get into reading these spiritual books, I just, I will kind of get <laughs> lost in a black hole. So they're just, they're so right. great. So I think anything along those lines is um, something that, you know, would be good to read on your spare time. All right. Do you have a favorite coat? Our favorite coat? Um, yeah. I kind of go through phases with that. I'll pick up one coat and then I'll wear it for a while and then I'll move on to another one. So uh, right now it's one that I actually got for Christmas and it's very okay. fuzzy and it's very comfortable. So yes, I do. <laughs> so what is it? Please share. It's like a, I don't know. It's, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, uh, just say like it. Sherpa, it. Sherpa style. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like a fuzzy Sherpa style jacket from Victoria's Secret. Okay. Is that the code? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fuzzy Sherpa style jacket from Victoria's Secret. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for your time. Before we finish, I have something called as a rapid fire round, which is a surprise. So basically, mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask you this or that. And there are a few questions and we go from there. So are you ready? Sure. Brace yourself. All right. Tea or coffee? Both. GUI or CLI? Uh, CLI. Windows or Mac? Mac. Are you a morning person or a night person? Night. Your choice of evening routine, meditation, yoga, jogging? Uh, meditation. Or anything else? Meditation. Okay. All right. Ebooks or hard copy? Um, Ebooks, because I can travel with them. Which city do you like to travel to for business? London. Favorite holiday destination? Um, Miami. All right. As a business traveler, which hotel chain is the best value for money? Hilton. All right. Last question. Can Google be dethroned? Yes or no? No. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was really nice talking to you. So if people want to connect to you or follow, how do they connect with Miss Melissa Shepard? Uh, I'm on Twitter, L-I-S-S-A-0977. And... Uh, my company website is liztech.com, L-I-Z-Z-T-E-C-H.com. All right. Do you have any other closing notes? Um, nope. All right. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was really nice talking to you. And thank you for sharing about the uh, B-Bank certification. I hope the female entrepreneurs listening can take a note of that. And it was really nice. I wish you all the luck and success. And I look forward to meeting yep, you in London. Yep, same here. Thank you very much for having me on your show. 
That's it for now, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, check out the other episodes. Please like, share, and subscribe to Forcepreneur. We are available on all major platforms. If you have feedback about any episode or would like me to interview someone, please go to www.forcepreneur.com and let me know. I will get back to you as soon as I can. This is Ankit Taneja signing out. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.